Welcome to Mag's Mind. I'm your host, Zach Wiseman. Join us as we explore current trends in social impact, life, culture, and even purpose. In the meantime, we invite you to sit back, kick up those feet, and come sail away with us. Today, I'm joined by good friend and brand transformation consultant at Sustainable Brands, Demeter Vlahov. Demeter has worked with brands from around the world on corporate social responsibility, impact, environmental issues, innovation, and much more. In this episode, he and I will be discussing the impact of this brand's work and trying to understand, is this all really working? Are the brands having the impact we think we are, or are we being misled? So, with that being said, I'm excited to be joined by Demeter. Hey, Demeter, how are you? Hi, Zach. Uh, doing well, given the circumstances, uh, all healthy and uh, safe over here. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. And you're, we're talking halfway around the world today, isn't that correct? That's right. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to hear you're fine too. Uh, pleasure to be, to be in, a, in a conversation with you today. And yes, I'm uh, hunkered down uh, with my <laughs> parents at my childhood home in Sofia, Bulgaria. So that's where, that's where I am in the world today. I imagine are there some old Kobe Bryant posters on the wall or is there some <laughs> is there a Michael Jordan poster somewhere? There, there, yeah, there is. There is a very, all of the above really, but there's a very strong Michael Jordan following here. And uh-huh. uh, uh, we're all actually just as excited about the new Jordan documentary that, that, that's co- coming out these days. <laughs> I know. Many in, the, in, in the West. So we are, we're in that sense uh, all, all in it together online. It'll probably be the most watched sports documentary ever, just because ever because any sports fan has been like clamoring for any good content right now. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, exactly, and uh, yeah, perfect timing in that sense. You know, there's there's a naturally huge audience it was already going to have, and then there's a bit of probably a bit of an extra captive audience or a lot. I don't know, but yeah, sure. Well, thanks for taking some time, Demeter. You know, I'm really excited about this conversation because. You've worked for sustainable brands for the last eight years and have sat at this really cool intersection and position of really having a good pulse on what large brands like Unilever, Coca-Cola, Ikea are doing when it comes to sustainability, social impact, as well as innovation. And you've seen a lot. You've seen what nonprofits are doing. You've seen what these big brands are doing. You've seen how they've worked together separately. You've seen what startups are doing. Um you know, and you've vetted a lot of these projects to and speakers and content to understand, okay, what are the stories worth sharing? So I'm really excited to to dive into this with you because you have one of all people like I want to ask and I want to understand, do you feel like is, is it legit or is it bullshit? Like where is your <laughs> bullshit meter on this? Because I'd love to, right. <laughs> from you, you know, you're like my guiding light in that. Well, that's a, that's an honor, first of all. But secondly, you don't you don't shy away from the good and the incisive questions, do you? <laughs> no, <laughs> love the, love that. And uh, you know, um, for me, it's a nuanced answer. And you're you're right about what you just said. I've sort of seen the good, the bad, and the ugly just through you know within this corporate social responsibility, sustainability space, broadly speaking. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and globally too, because sustainable brands, as you know, it has been a global community of, of, of essentially corporate sustainability uh, folks above all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, my personal answer, uh, if I had to sum it up in a, in a sentence, is that it's, um, it's not all bullshit. But there is a good amount of bullshit, and more, more than we would like. <laughs> uh, but it's it's certainly nuanced, and uh, so um, happy to have a conversation about it. When you hear, yeah, no, it's really it's it's a really good take, or I'm excited to dive in. But when you hear about stories, or you know, so many large companies, Fortune 500s, all the way down to startups, are sharing their stories and their work, like specifically with you. At this point, especially yeah. given everything we're seeing with COVID nineteen and coronavirus, like what what gets you excited when you hear stories? Like when you when they are legitimate, or maybe legitimate's not the right word, but when something does come across your desk, like where do you find yourself getting really fired up and say, "Ooh, this is exciting," or "Oh, I want, I can't wait to learn more about this program initiative," or even like. Yeah. Outcome. Yeah. So what, 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 what really inspires and sort of um, pleases me to see is uh, our cases of authentic, genuine leadership, you know, especially when it's sort of next level, uh, improving things in a, in, a, in, a, in a real way, so to speak. And so uh, one thing to note here is that generally, from my point of view, what we're seeing now during the uh, coronavirus crisis in terms of brands reactions and sort of uh, steps they're taking in the midst of it all is a good reflection. Honestly, this is just my take. It's a good reflection and sort of good parallel to what brands were already doing for, for, you know, as long as I've been around uh, the space uh, with respect to purpose and sustainability. And so what I mean by that is, uh, so both what they're doing now for, for COVID-19 as well as what they were doing earlier in general. And that is that it's a good mix of, you know, some, some fraction, I don't know, call it 20, 30, 40%, really great, uh, genuine, uh, not only well-meaning, but also authentic. And so, you know, low on the bullshit scale leadership with innovation, with new kinds of engagement in consumer engagement, supplier mm-hmm. engagement, all the, all the, all the rest of it. And then there's some, just you know, putting uh, uh, putting lipstick on a pig or you know, polishing the apple <laughs> kinds of moves, and that's a pretty you know big percentage, unfortunately. And then and then some some uh, uh, on the uh, the ugly end of the spectrum, in, in in my opinion, that's just just outright deceptive and malicious, you know. And then that, those still exist, not a, not very much of it, but they're, they're still there. So. So that same sort of spread, I think, is getting repeated now during COVID. So there's a lot of meaningful and really even very touching, not only touching and meaningful, but also uh, probably uh, really valuable moves that companies are making, all kinds of new new things that they're doing on their feet um, that are r- really great. And then, and then uh, just as much of the other things as, as well. So. And right. we can get into examples if you'd like. You're happy to be specific. Just let me know. But that's kind of the summary of how I see it. Yeah, and it reminds me of the COVID nineteen brand commercial video you sent me the other day. <laughs> right. Of that it was literally right. It was splicing 
and and again, it's not to call out any of these brands in particular, but sure. it was Lexus and Facebook and I don't know, you just go down the list and how all the commercials right, right now during COVID were sounding exactly the same, right? Right. Uh, just just super formulaic, right? And that yeah. that 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 is honestly in my book, exactly. And we should maybe clarify for those who may be listening who haven't seen that video. It's it's basically comparing a pretty big number, maybe 10 or 20 or 30 uh, uh, big brand commercials from the last few weeks and uh, <laughs> sort of breaking them down into components and they're all following the exact same formula of, you know, attaching mm-hmm. piano music at first and then mm-hmm. some statement. Man walking the alone right on the street. For so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, how the brand's been with, with its customers for so long and how we're going to stick together in this crisis too. And, and then all inevitably using cliches like we're in this together, you know, mm-hmm. or some kind of, uh, you know, well, good, well sounding, but not terribly meaningful declaration of, we, we, you know, we're in this together. And then uh, kind of walking into the sunset with two more touching piano music at the end. <laughs> you know? That's basically, right. there's a little more to it. And I encourage listeners to go and find it, but it's essentially, it's on YouTube, but it's essentially very formulaic and, you know, you can see they were following the same, the same playbook basically. Um, and that is to me what falls in the, in the, in the, in the middle of the spectrum that I described a minute ago. That is to me, you know, not necessarily harmful, but it's also doesn't really add much. So that's more of the, polishing the apple, putting lipstick on a pig kind of move mm-hmm. that is, you know, okay, it's supposed to make you feel good and warm and fuzzy inside about that brand, watching the, the commercial saying we're in this together to touching piano music. But, right. <laughs> but it doesn't really add much to your world, to your life, to your mm-hmm. relationship with that company necessarily, other than a, like a you know, feel-good moment. Um, and, or it doesn't necessarily also show any actual meaningful deeper change that they're making to the right. product or to anything else in the world. So that's why I put put that. Yeah. So that's a good example of that. And I see a lot of that. Yes. Well in that in that commercial and and I don't want to pick on one particular industry because you could apply it to a lot, but for Lexus stuck out in my head in that video. And it was like you know, uh, yeah, of course right now we need cars and we depend on them for transportation and obviously look at how important they become in some aspects of, you know, health and supply chain and getting people supplies when and where they need. But yeah, it's like Lexus, I don't, I don't need you telling me you're here for me right now. Like that's not comforting. (laughs) Tell me, tell me you're you're working on, you know, reducing your, you know, while, while the government is cutting car emission standards, which is absurd. Tell me you're fighting against that and you're going to, you know, make your whole fleet electric regardless so that, you know, we clean up the air and, you know, reduce asthma and thus, you know, you can see so many of these connecting pieces right now. Right, right. So the question of relevance there stands out to me. Absolutely. So if you're going to put out, um, you know, messages like that, make sure they're relevant uh, to the situation and to what you generally are in the business of doing and how you're connecting the two, what you're good at, what you're generally in, in business for and the present moment. Uh, and in a way that's, that's valuable, that's helpful, that, that's real and helpful at the same time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, you know, to be fair, 
there are a good number of others as well that are doing meaningful things. Right. Um, so, you know, glad, glad to see them. But it's just that uh, it just seems that as a community, since I have this, this uh, thanks to my seat at Sustainable Brands, as you said earlier, I have this throne. view of the, I think it's of, a throne. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're too nice. <laughs> um, I have this natural view into what hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of companies are, are doing. Certainly all the, all the big multinationals, all their Fortune 500s and many others on top of that. Um, around purpose and sustainability and, and you know, uh, related activities for a long time. And, and it just, my point here is that because of this view, I'm able to compare the ratios of, of you know, super authentic next level leadership versus not so authentic, uh, the, mm. the whole range. And it, it just seems that, the, um, that we, we have more to learn as a community and then more to learn about how to be on the good end of the spectrum. <laughs> right. So that, 80% or 90 are there instead of the current, in my humble view, uh, 30 or 40. 30, 40. Uh, right. By the way, if you want to, that's, uh, yeah, if you want a quantitative answer to your very first <laughs> question or opening question about bullshit, I'd say, you know, 30 to 40% uh, n- non-bullshit. And then, mm. I don't know, I'd say 50% sort of you know, leaning toward bullshit. And then ten percent or so straight straight bullshit, and even even worse than that, you know, deception mm-hmm. and, and um, all brands. Knowledge. Or is that brands that are have even made the step to start talking about sustainability or purpose? Or is that just? I'd say, yeah, great question. I'd say honestly, all um, mm-hmm. because by you know, uh, the the split is similar in those that are talking, and then those that are not talking are you know would fall in one of the groups too usually in the in the last two groups right so many reasons many times those that are not yet talking which is a smaller and smaller group but still exists are not talking because um then they they don't have anything meaningful to say or add (laughs) or they worse unfortunately they are trying to stay out of that conversation and uh, typically because they they feel uh, they know or they feel that they, uh, they're not performing well <laughs> in mm. that domain. So, Well, it, beg- it begs the question, Demeter, I think, because I, I felt this too. It's like, how do you feel when, when you're close to the issues and the, the, the statistics, right? Like clearly mm. the you know, wildlife loss and, and biodiversity loss statistics are extremely alarming and quite depressing yes climate change right. not great i'm sure you saw or maybe you might right. have even shared this with me i don't recall you know jared diamond author of guns germ steel and collapse is coming yeah. out with a new book and he said there's a 50 percent chance the world as we know it ends by 2050 it's like oh boy yep. you know that's a tough yep not a not a very encouraging headline no. like how do you yeah. feel and we've talked about this in the past, like how do you, when you're in the, when you're in a space or when you're seeing these statistics, but then you're also hearing what companies do, how do you strike that balance of like remaining hopeful and optimistic, but using also some of the, that those um, scary statistics or the reality or science yeah. to motivate you and us and everybody to do more. Right. Cause there's a tension right. there that I often feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent question. And, and yes, it, there's a very real tension there for exactly 
the reasons you just described. And here's here's how I see it, and how we at Sustainable Brands um, tend to see it. Certainly, obviously speaking for myself, above all, but um, that very real tension makes the job of sustainability teams and, and you know corporate executives more broadly, uh, yes, more difficult, and more stressful because they need to catch up and sort of transform that much faster, right? Um, mm. If they're to if they're to catch up with what all the science and all the all the warnings are are, are telling us, right? Which is you just listed. I'm not going to repeat, but the, the the intersection of all the different crises, right? multiple crises, right? The intersection of all those, catch up with them, get ahead of them, get on top of them. Uh, yeah. So so there's uh, and, and and it's partly because the same companies. Uh, you know, many of them, the majority, I would say, were late to start, late to take it super, super seriously, um, and uh, late to the realization of just how deeply they individually as well as collectively the, the system needs to transform. But anyway, mm-hmm. we're not in the past, we're in the present, and the tension is real, and it's there. Um, but there, there's a couple of things that give me hope and that, that still make make it worth trying um one is the opportunity to 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 leapfrog to see it as uh a time when um innovation as usual (laughs) so to speak is sort of dead and Mm. it's not not anymore mostly incremental but now it's about uh, transformational innovation Mm. in in any sense Mm -hmm. of the word the products and services certainly but also just how Companies do everything, right? From raw materials to use to 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 to, to products and service innovation to you know how you navigate the whole supply chain to what happens then in your relationship with customers to, to your entire business model. All, all of that. When I say innovation, I mean innovation in every one of those corporate activities. Um, so moving from um, incremental to mm-hmm. transformational and and sort of uh, breakthrough innovation, we often call it. It is an opportunity and it's a little bit harder to coach and to teach. Uh, and, uh, but is that much more rewarding when you see cases of it happening, when you see executives getting it and the entire, you know, C-suites and boards of directors of major, major companies getting it uh, and then launching on a, on a big leap. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give you a couple of examples that come to mind. I'm, I'm sure Perfect. at this point. That was going to be my question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a hunger for tangible examples. One, one would be, and there and there is a good number of them. You know, even though they're still by and large rare, there's still a good number of them. So that gives me hope too, uh, and growing number, thankfully. Uh, but IKEA is one. So, IKEA uh, about a year to a year and a half ago committed uh, uh, to becoming a fully circular uh, hmm. business by by 2030. Yeah. So they want, and not only want, but are committing that by 2030, every single thing you can find in an IKEA store, and God knows there's, we're talking about there's thousands a, of there's products. There's a few items, right. <laughs> Big and small, right. Um, will, be, will be part of circular material flows. That means that nothing uh, of those materials will, will be allowed to go to waste after they're, um, they're at the end of their, you know, useful lives, uh, and then they will also be sourced in ways that they don't come from virgin materials, but they come mm. from 
circular flows, or if they come from virgin materials, virgin wood, for example, that's, that's still, I think, will be allowed, but from a forest that is managed uh, according to the highest sustainability and regenerative principles. So basically a forest that you don't just cut down, but you, you take, I, I like to use this, it's a, it's a simple explanation, not exactly what happens, but basically you take one branch of the tree, but the tree is still standing and you manage the forest that way. So it's a standing a forest example. continuously that keeps carbon and keeps drawing in carbon and all the rest of the, the things that a forest does. And yet you're still able to take wood from it to build furniture, right? right in this case. Right. So anyway, so that's one. So IKEA fully circular by 2030. And that I know from talking to IKEA executives. and uh, That's amazing. And listening to them has been quite a journey. Yeah, it doesn't just happen, right? So that, that took mm-hmm. them a couple of years internally to to get to but so that's that's breakthrough leadership to me another one is the known um uh which is mostly known for yogurt they have a variety of products um Mm -hmm. in addition to that but bananas uh, or no (laughs) they've 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 committed to becoming the the biggest b corp in the world so that was that was great that was that was a leap uh in its own right but then they their big move to uh toward being transformational is their big commitment, just like General Mills actually, toward regenerative agriculture. So, right, whether it's yogurt or cereal, or whatever, uh, a lot of brands in the food space uh, essentially have to take a good hard look at agriculture, you know, and their suppliers and say, is, is that going well or not? And mm. the, those that are seeing all the systemic crises that, that we listed a few minutes ago are seeing, okay, no, you know, conventional agriculture, even if it becomes organic, that's still not enough, unfortunately, mm. given the kinds of things coming down. So let's just take the full leap toward regenerative, uh, mm. which is, again, it takes a bit and it takes actually a lot for a farmer to transition to, but then the brands that are committed to that then provide resources to training farmers and uh, and even funding the transition in many cases. Anyway, that's another example. So kind of focusing on those examples helps. I mean, A, they are really good, sure. exciting, legitimate examples, but it also kind of helps give you hope <laughs> that it it keeps yeah. by focusing on, right, seeing some of those really good examples and companies yeah. leading by doing, not just saying, right, that it helps yeah. us feel like we're potentially on the right path or maybe even... I'm hearing you saying a path is carved, or at least maybe not everybody needs to replicate that idea, but Ikea, Danone, and those examples are showing how you can. You can leapfrog, and you can go find a solution or chart a path that that maybe didn't exist and still be a business and still employ people and still sell a a product, but do it in a right way, a better, more sustainable way. Right, right. Right, and with 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 minimizing, you know, bullshit in the process. <laughs> right. To use one of our favorite favorite words for this conversation, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's true. And by the way, so this is the this is still a pretty small fraction of of, of companies where the leaders that were in place in these last few years when they started these transformative moves, the leaders already would you know be well versed in all the all the systemic uh, views of all the crises that they're converging on us and all that so these leaders they get it right so now right. the very interesting moment and in, which applies to a much bigger number of companies uh, are what happens when the leaders don't naturally get it and there's a big amount of tension and anxiety 
around, uh, well, from, from multiple points of view. For us and people like me observing those companies and being like, oh, they don't quite yet see it. They don't, doesn't seem that they have the understanding or the urgency mm-hmm. to make breakthrough moves. Um, and then they also, from their point of view, don't see it. So they're like, well, why are some of these activists or some of these other people on social media or elsewhere, you know, uh, rushing me to do to do so much more than than I need to be doing on sustainability and 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 future proofing their their business models? And so, with people like them, there is a potential for mm-hmm. honestly personal breakthroughs for them to sort of go through. Um, and um, the field of, I don't know, I mean, climate psychology or more broadly sustainability related sort of applied psychology has been, uh, has been uh, expanding. There's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, services now and they, 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 they kind of emerge from all different kinds of angles, but, but um, right. you know, services that can help executives sort of see it and, and accept it and accept that the very difficult, but unavoidable sort of reality. And then from there, go back to where talking to experts and to people like the kinds of people that we convene at Sustainable Brands about, okay, what are the, the, the interesting uh, productive ways to, to make moves in the right direction? But achieving that sort of personal breakthrough moment uh, for many is where, where they get um, sort of uh, delayed or stopped, you know? Yeah. Well, your point about resources and tools helping leadership make these decisions what's I think really interesting about COVID-19 and this pandemic right now is this notion for everybody, how quickly the quote unquote status quo can be taken away from you. It can be gone like that. We all businesses are closing. So, you know, this, you know, doing business as normal or a hundred, 200 years of a company, which is a great feat of doing business one way we're living right now how that could be taken away yeah. by a, by a global, yeah, exactly. global yeah, world in true. a heartbeat. Same with, you, yeah. could, you know, with changes in climate change. So yeah, it's really interesting. It's like you need that leadership development, but are we also on one end of the spectrum losing sort of, I don't know, runway to, to do that as well. You know, I think that's yeah. where some of my f- fear comes in is your, because of these issues and you know we've all seen the reports that you know people have been talking about global pandemics as a risk for quite some time and they're only going to increase as deforestation increases etc like we've all seen that really you know inspiring (laughs) news but yeah (laughs) but that is there's something about the status quo is gone so yeah it is it is you got it completely uncharted territory yeah, and you're right. And by the way, when and, and my my response to that is that yeah, it's it's sort of sharpening, honestly, sort of all all sides of the conversation. It's sharpening the the need and the multiple mm. needs that were already identified by the experts, but you know were not necessarily acted on consistently. So that that's now sharpened in focus. Um, this, this, uh, the nature of the system and Good how point. easily the system can be disrupted or you know kind of flipped on it on its head and all that. But then also it's also highlighting how honestly anyone and everyone almost can be, can be that kind of uh, 
therapist or 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 breakthrough agent hmm. for executives and for others right it doesn't need to be a minute ago i made it sound like you know it's just like a specific way that they get there but no they can get there right. in all kinds of ways and, and increasingly so through uh, through sort of receiving similar signals from multiple sides so imagine before their sustainability team, let's say the chief sustainability officer of a company was telling the CEO and the CMO of a company of the same company for years that we need to do X, Y, Z. And then maybe the CEO and CMO only wanted to do X because they thought the other one, the other suggestions were too much or not needed or whatever. And now in, a, in this very unusual special time we're living through, they're getting the signals that, oh no, it really would have helped. And if you had done Y and Z as well, or if you do it now, you know, to 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 better position yourself for for the future and so yeah so this moment as stressful as it is is sort of highlighting um and giving similar signals from multiple directions which i think i hope will help to that middle 50 percent of my distribution of companies that they're mostly still kind of polishing the apple and you know pulling uh putting lipstick on a pig to say right how do we actually prepare for things like this or how do we focus on right yeah, having more tangible, real impact. Um, yeah. Demeter, I have a, you know, uh, in addition to our conversation, you get to be a part. We have a special announcement from our first ever sponsor. Um, give Roll, a better way to give back is a way to simplify your donations with a personalized portfolio supporting these causes. And they've been generous enough to sponsor our third podcast episode. So we invite everyone to visit giveroll.org and find out how you can donate more to numerous causes that you care about. So <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate Wonderful. that. Wonderful. I did. I, I, uh, I busted a big smile over here listening <laughs> to that. And, uh, it's only because I know the, just like you, I, uh, I know the people behind it and they're wonderful people. Uh, yeah, I, they don't uh, know they sponsored this podcast, but we'll follow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, but yeah, good. Wanted to give yeah. our mutual friends a shout out, and and yeah, go to anyone, go to giveroll.org and find out how you can donate to lots of charities. But yeah, I knew that give you a smile. Um, right. While we're <laughs> right. while we're talking, I wanted to. You made me think of this. We had talked about it a little bit previously. This notion of like paradox of choice, and I think we've yeah. seen that. You know, when you work with brands, I think it inevitably comes up. Right there's that chart of you know who owns what brands that you and i have both seen and you know Kraft and unilever and pepsi and you know all the brands right. they yeah. own in this yeah. whole huge web and i encourage somebody to google it and you look at that right. and it's hard to just not look at that and say do we need all of that like right. how many you know and, and i think again to tie it back to like this new normal we find ourselves in is to me coronavirus and the pandemic and the lockdowns have shown like maybe you don't need that many obviously things but choices yeah. right like i don't yeah. it's hard to say like we don't need 87 different types of toilet paper we need three that are there <laughs> right. right or right. Yeah. that the supply chain or do i do we need 87 different kinds of cereal brands like Exactly. It's, it's, I don't know if you feel that, but it's hard for me to look at right now consumerism and and the brands in that person to this with the same lens and not kind of have a 
you know, maybe you've seen things online, same thing with people looking at celebrities a little differently. Like the, the, the empathy may not really be there. Right. It's like, right. You know, Jennifer Lopez gotten a lot of flack for, she was showing <laughs> yep. them being quarantined in their mansion and people were like, right. Oh, yeah, it's, I have it's, a she's hard far time. from alone. Yeah. Right. A number of them have gotten yeah, bad feedback. Yep. And I, and there's something I don't know about, about the brands too, to mm -hmm. back to our earlier point, like how do you, yeah. How do they stay I, I, on this yeah. sustainability path, but also yeah. show consumers that they are getting it. And that to some sense, you know, do they have a role to, protect us from ourselves into yeah, some degree. Like, I think you're onto something big there. I do have a couple of very specific answers sure, that yeah. I think you, you appreciate. Uh, you're onto something very big though, obviously, and uh, kind of uncomfortable because it's a, it's a tough question to answer overall. Now, I personally agree with you for the most part that we don't need as, as, as many um, different brands and things and, and, uh, <laughs> right things and things on brands, shelves yeah. Right. Yeah, in supermarkets as, as we currently have and that a lot of that especially when we consider the systemic repercussions in the supply chain and all in the rest of the world and all the, the garbage they create and all the rest of it uh it become even bigger issues but yeah um mm. so i personally agree with you uh, it's, it's it's too much and i think one uh um outcome from the current crisis is that many people all over the world will uh, see opportunities that they want to embrace even after the crisis subsides to simplify mm. to simplify mm -hmm. their lives uh, right that that trip could have been a zoom meeting right that um, right uh, you know uh, on and on with things like that um, and so opportunities for brand in that context would be uh, to maybe simplify product portfolios, especially when you consider that many of them are wildly uh, unsustainable still. Mm -hmm. But to make up, let's say, it's, it's, it's tough for brands to do that and just straight up give up revenue and streams that you know, currently serve them well or have been for decades and so on and so forth. So to make up for that, potentially lost revenue uh, or you know, reduced uh, product portfolio, they could be creative with um, finding ever more non-material or significantly dematerialized uh, services mm. that they, mm -hmm. they could provide. I'll give you a, a specific example, and it's by far not the only one, but it's yeah. actually an example from several years ago, from way before uh, the coronavirus hit, but it just, I think, illustrates the point well. So it's from BMW. So BMW, I don't know how many, six or seven years ago when they launched their uh, electric cars, um, they also launched a couple of experimental new business models with renting and sort of mm. uh, you know, giving temporary access to cars. And they just did it at the same time. Um, Is it kind of like Volvo's, rent, Volvo's subscription model? For renting, yeah, yeah, cars. exactly, exactly. Subscription instead of instead of ownership, yeah, exactly. And it coins. They were going to do it anyway, but they, it it coincided with the release of the electric cars, and they, they decided, why don't we try? You know, uh, it's now with this new exciting line of products. And um, I remember at the time talking to a senior member of their sustainability team. I don't know again, 
maybe five years ago. And he said, you know, it's kind of neat if you look at it this way. Instead of now selling one car once, we want to now sell the same one car a thousand times. Or God, God knows how many, right? Many, many times. So mm-hmm. these subscription models are, uh, when, when they're conceived in a smart way, they can be super promising and they can more than make up for lost revenue. Now, it doesn't necessarily hold in every single industry. I'm sure. not saying it can be applied to cereal or, God forbid, toilet paper. <laughs> Please don't <laughs> share toilet paper. <laughs> I'm, on a, I'm on a sharing, right, a second toilet, <laughs> don't, toilet paper. Don't support. sell the same toilet paper more than once. But, but, but you That's get good. the point. So basically, ownership to access is a big trend that was already there that is now going to intensify. You know, right, uh, right. That's one, that's that's one an answer. answer. Right, it's sustainable, yeah. it's profitable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And then um, another answer, which is now getting uh, to territory that may be still quite uncomfortable for a good number of people, but I think sooner or later we have to face it, is that, again, we don't need, uh, given the paralysis of choice and the, you know, and all that, we don't need as much in general. And then, um, it's okay for, you know, so far I've talked about how to make up for lost revenue and all that, but you know, it's okay to even not make up for lost revenue yeah. and all that, you know, it's okay for businesses and product line to write the, to, the, the right. economy to be a little bit smaller. You know, if your GDP shrinks a little bit, uh, or even a lot down the road, it's not the end of the world. As long as we have found other smart, less material ways to, to have a good quality of life. So I'm not saying mm-hmm. we should we should give up hope that we'll ever live happily or comfortably, but right. You get the point. So there's that bigger sort of elephant in the room, which is, you know, it's, it's okay. If, if, if having, I don't know, seven instead of 87 cereals in the cereal aisle can have um, a bunch of other great consequences, then maybe it's totally worth it and we should absolutely do it and on and on. So yeah, there's that bigger question. Yeah, no. And thank you. The, the BMW example is, I think highlights are really, it's a really strong example. So thank you for sharing. And yeah, there was the, there's a great medium article about preparing for the ultimate gaslighting and brands, but you made me think right. one, one quote I really like from that article among many is the author says from one citizen to another, I beg of you take a deep breath, ignore the deafening noise and think deeply about you want what you want to put back into your life. I think that's really right powerful right it's art exactly exactly fine that is that is one way to say yeah yeah and demeter one i know we're uh, running up against some time here and you know one one last area i'd like to get some of your thoughts on is you know for large brands and large organizations you know let's say the 10 percent that are really doing harm if they came to you and said fine we're in we're Tell us what to do. <laughs> Tell us how to become more sustainable. Tell us how to fix it all. You know, what do they do? Is there, is there, uh, sure. how do they, how do they start to chart that course? Yeah. Well, great question. I'll answer it first. I'll answer just quickly, just add something to the previous question. Um, just related to that potentially really big amount of, of sort of red gaslighting that's coming our way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, toward the, the end of the crisis or after. Um, and what you read there, one of the quotes you read was, yeah, absolutely an invitation to consider simplifying and also consider just re- reorganizing. 
I just wanted to add one more data point, which I just read today and found absolutely fascinating. There was a study reported on today from the UK, uh, reporting that only 9% of uh, British people said that they would want to get back to life, you know, normal life, quote unquote, exactly as it was before wow. uh, the, the, the crisis. That, that, that the majority of them are already saying in this poll that they're seeing, uh, whether small or big, but some, at least some, or in many cases, a lot of changes that they'd like to see. So there's, there's that. And, uh, 9%, yeah. wow. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I think many people will be discerning, uh, hopefully, with respect to the, uh, a lot of the brands who will try to throw all kinds of potentially or certainly unnecessary products and other things at them. Um, so it will be interesting to keep watching that. But mm-hmm. now to, your, uh, to this other question, I think my main advice, a lot I could say from having worked on this for eight years, but my main advice is figure out how best be or create change agents around you, or if you can be one as well, great, fantastic, uh, within any organization, and then figure out how to help those change agents uh, convince the top of the organization to change, ideally in Mm -hmm. a breakthrough kind of way. But that, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you don't get, uh, get there, immediately, that's fine. If you do, you know, gradually at first and then, and then more, more uh, breakthrough moves uh, later on. And we've been thinking about ways to help with that, um, to help people become change, change agents, recruit change agents, be more effective at engaging the leadership of an organization. We've actually created something we're calling the Sustainable Brands Brand Transformation Roadmap mm. to help them with exactly that. That paints That's the wonderful. whole journey. Yeah. yeah, it paints the whole journey from doing nothing on sustainability to to being a truly sustainable brand. And that is the sort of destination and it's really hard to get there. Even companies that I said earlier excel, like Ikea and Danone, uh, I would say are not fully sustainable brands yet. They're well on their way, but they're not yet. So so it's not so much about the destination, although that is the guiding light, but it's about uh, all the stages of the journey and all the different sort of tools you can use, tactics you can use, the different ways you can talk about the problems and the solutions along the way. Even that changes a lot. It's, it's amazing, but, mm. you know, it's a sort of fine-tune it to each level of understanding or maturity inside an organization. So, uh, so looking at it in, the, in a systemic way through a roadmap like that can be really helpful. But above all, whatever ways you find, nurture change agents and, and help them multiply <laughs> It comes down to that. Yeah, no, that's really good. And is we can follow up for listeners, but the transformation roadmap is available on Sustainable Brands' website, correct? Yeah, it is, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll make sure and circulate that. Um, Demeter, thank you so much for taking the time. I always love your insights and talking to you. You're one of my favorite people. So um, thank you so much for all the time and sharing your insights and hope and examples you have a wealth of knowledge so um my pleasure for hours but (laughs) exactly we always can it's always a great time with you love your new podcast keep keep at it and uh, looking forward to uh, other episodes as well thanks so much 
Thanks for joining this episode of Mag's Mind. For more information about Mag, our community, and our work, please visit magcollective.com, M-A-G collective.com. Thanks for listening, and until then...